Oh, you know what? I just remember we have a birthday. Is there a young 16-year-old that turns, a guy that just turned 16 today named Trevor here? Where's Angie? There's Angie. There he is. Hey, happy birthday, buddy. Praise the Lord, man. Happy birthday, buddy. Praise God. And real quick, I know we're, you know, usually we get right in the message after that, but uh, just want to encourage you. Erin had mentioned, if some of you gals, because she's been painting rocks for years and she's dedicating a lot of her rocks that she's painting through the years to that little kind of a, a kid's uh, gift. We're going to pass out different gifts at different houses, depending where we're at, with wagons and stuff like that. Sometimes it'll just be tracks, sometimes it'll be a gift bag. But uh, she mentioned that some of you may make soaps, you know. I mean, if you know business and stuff that want to contribute, that would be great. But if you make certain things, craft-wise, that might be not too heavy. Well, I guess rocks are pretty heavy, and we're doing that. So <laughs> uh, that won't add to that, you know. Uh, but it, does, it could be kind of heavy. Uh, that would be awesome, you know. So contact Erin. Erin, can you raise your hand? Yeah. Praise the Lord. She's, she does awesome work, man. And we'll have her say, share a little something uh, an upcoming week, Lord willing, because... Uh, She's, uh, some of us have gone door to door. It's, it's a lot easier than you think, you know, but she's going to share with you. She's been going door to door as a salesperson for years. And she's like, how much more for Jesus? Amen. So she's like, it's not as hard as you think. And I, I would have to agree. Sometimes it can be tough, but praise God, man. You're doing it for Jesus. Amen. What did he do for you? Everything. Amen. All right. So this is part two of a little series called, uh, the power tools of the gospel, the power tools of the gospel. And we're talking about spreading the good news. So before we go into the book of James, and we're doing a couple topical things, a few topical things, but one of them is about sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thought, man, uh, I did a little bit of a series with some of you folks that were at my home group uh, on the gospel. We did a few messages on that uh, and sharing the gospel. Uh, so I didn't want to repeat all of that, but I did want to hit, make some quick hits of different things that we can get into. And last week, we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We talk about power tools. And I, I gave illustration. I used to set tile uh, prior to being a tile setter. And I was, thank God for my diamond bladed saw. You know, prior to that, I, I was a construction worker that did punch out work, preparing houses, jack of all trades, uh, master of none, you know. Uh, and, but just uh, the tools that were available to me. And if I didn't have power tools, I'd been in huge trouble, you know. I praise God for power tools. Well, a lot of people are sharing the gospel in their own strength. A lot of people aren't even sharing the gospel anymore. They're sharing feel-good stories, you know, saying, oh, Jesus has a good plan for your life. Just think about, about coming to church. That's not the gospel. There's no power in that, amen? There, we, we need to get back to the Word of God, amen? We get back to the, as the Scriptures say, the ancient way, amen? Uh, and so we looked at the power of the Holy Spirit last week. And I'm not going to enumerate all the things we said about the Holy Spirit and His power, the dunamis that we talked about, because that's in the last message. We talked about the power of prayer, amen? The, the fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous man availeth much, amen? amen? And we talked about the power of prayer, and we also talked about God's love, and the Lord talked about how when the world sees our love for one another, genuine, true Christian love, amen? Jesus says, they'll know that the Father sent me, amen? Jesus says, all men will know that you're my disciples if we... Love one another, amen? So talk about loving one another. Very, very important. So number four, number four is the power of the gospel itself, amen? And if you want, you can go to Romans 1.16, or you don't have to go there. I'm just going to quote one verse. Uh, Paul, the apostle, said, I am not ashamed of who? Of what? The gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek, Amen? It's what? 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's the power of, of, of God, amen, to salvation. To salvation, to everyone who believes. The Jew first saw it's for everyone. It's so powerful. And I think sometimes we get inoculated. We, we become desensitized toward the power of the gospel because we know it so well. And we're so familiar with it, we forget what happened when we first understood the gospel and embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. It's powerful because when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you, you're justified. You're, you're forgiven of your sins. The very thing that separates you from God and keeps you out of heaven, that sentences you to the lake of fire for eternity, that's power. There's Bill Gates, you know. Think of the richest people in the world, you know. Zuckerberg and all these guys. They can't save you with their money. The U.S. military can't save you with its power. It might, might one day be used against you, actually, if you keep preaching the gospel, you know, the way the world's going. Amen. We need to preach the gospel and stand firm for the gospel. I just saw a guy talking about his, uh, it was in front of the, what was it, Euro Parliament, a Canadian, you know, talking about his dad, and his dad gave, had a little video because he got arrested because of some of the stuff that went down there because they were infringing on his freedom of speech, you know, and uh, and he's like going to go to jail for up to 10 years. In Canada, we used to have freedom of speech. Now, if you mention from the pulpit what the Bible says about homosexuality, you're on the verge of being arrested, it seems, in, in, over there. It used to be supposed to be a free country. Well, that's coming here, possibly, guys. And you need to be aware of what's going on right now. And you need to realize, hey, I'm going to dig my feet in the ground, and this is something I'm never going to compromise, is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because guess what? Well, Joe, now we live in a pluralistic society. There's all this syncretism and everything. We've got to kind of go with the flow and fit in with the times. It's, wait a minute. Do you realize in the first century it was very pluralistic? All kinds of people worshiping all kinds of things, all kinds of idols and all kinds of junk. Amen? And they were pre preaching the exclusive gospel of Jesus Christ. It was inclusive in that whosoever will may come, but you had to repent and get right because God would not accept you but on his terms, not on your terms. Amen? So we, we preach the gospel. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? That Jesus died for our sins. Amen? That he was buried. That he rose again and conquered the grave on the third day. And there's power in the gospel. So in Romans 1.16, man, it's the gospel. It's the power of God to, to everyone who believes. To Jew first and also the Greek. You're forgiven. That's justification. Amen? How many are grateful that you've been forgiven by God? Amen. Praise God. That came through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? When, as soon as you were forgiven, the Holy Spirit came into you. Because then you were regenerated. You were born again. Jesus says you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. Amen. John 3, 3. John 3, 5. John 3, 7. You were born again. The Holy Spirit, I'm sure you're glad and you're not only forgiven, but the Holy Spirit came to live in you. Amen. And guess what? That's because of the gospel. And guess what? One day, as you trust Jesus... You'll be glorified, amen? You'll be transformed. Not just inwardly, which has already happened by his spirit, but physically. You'll become like Christ, physically. Inwardly, we'll be becoming transformed into his likeness day by day, amen? But one day, there'll be an infusion of dynamic, dunamis, Holy Spirit power where our bodies will be made like unto his glorious body. How many as you're getting older, you're just like, praise God. Praise God, I'll get a new body, amen? Praise the Lord, Amen? Jesus knows every hair on my head. It's getting easier for him every day, you know? I just thought about that. 
No, it's already easy for him. He already knew it, knew it uh, before, before life began, amen, before on this planet. But it's interesting because now you're like, well, you know, what if people reject the gospel? They say, that's foolish. You know, when, people, when I preached the gospel, I used to think it was foolish. I was one of those mockers. I remember seeing some Christians on the street witnessing. I went up and just railed on them. What a fool I was, you know, so blind. You know what? But here's a, here's a scripture I quote sometimes uh, when somebody says, oh, that's idiotic. I say, yeah, I used to believe that too. But the scriptures say, I tell them, 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it's the power of salvation to everyone who believes. That's 1 Corinthians 1.18. So the world, man, they're going to mock Christ, they're going to mock God because they want to be their own gods. They don't want any authority over them, but we still need to preach the gospel. It is so powerful. I just see, you know, I love when people get saved and they experience and to watch the power of the gospel at work, you know. Not only my loved ones, you know, uh, I remember uh, Lisa and I were just sharing with a gal. I don't know if she got saved, but uh, it's funny because we don't tell you to witness and not witness ourselves, you know. And we, Lisa and I got away for a few days, you know. I'm trying to tell her, hey, that's a vacation, you know. I guess it's just a few days, but it still is a little vacation, you know. But uh, next, next year we'll probably get out for some time. But uh, we had a good time. And, uh, but we witnessed a lot. We were able to share a lot, you know. To me, that's a vacation too, man, sharing the gospel, you know. And one gal we shared with, she's going through a time in her life where things are changing, she said, and we just shared with her. And she's like, she said, that, she goes, you know what? That is so beautiful. Like she'd never heard it. And we were in New Ageville, a lot of New Agers. A lot of people we tried to witness to were already Christians, you know. There's a couple people that we met from uh, Denmark vacationing, and we shared the, we're sharing with them, and they're already like, we're already following Christ. That happened a number of times. But the beauty of the gospel is so beautiful, man. No greater love does a man have than this, than that he lay his life down for his friends. Yet Jesus went even further than that. He laid his life down for his enemies to make us his friends, to make us children of God. Amen? Remember, Lisa and I shared with a gal named Jenny years ago, and we took her out to eat. We shared the gospel with her, and she just began bawling, saying, I can't believe he would do that for me. She never understood it. And the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she put her faith in Christ. She's since gone on to be with the Lord. I remember Bree sharing with you. And uh, you were right up in the front here with, with Carlos, your husband, brand new to the church, didn't know the gospel, sharing the gospel with her. And she's like, why am I getting chills everywhere? She got teary and said, this is so beautiful, you know? But as believers, you can have a beautiful plant in your house and you can have a beautiful child. You can have a beautiful this, that, or the other. And you start to take for granted how beautiful they are until you miss them. It's the same thing with the gospel. But you start meditating on what the beauty you have, it becomes more beautiful. You start to see it's beautiful. You magnify its beauty. We need to magnify the gospel and realize it saves souls. And people get saved through the gospel. It's so, so powerful. The Holy Spirit's at work. And it's not only sharing the gospel with those who haven't heard, but sharing the gospel with those who have heard or sharing with the gospel with those who have backslidden. James 5, 19, 20, Brethren, if any of you turn from the truth and one brings him back, he'll save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Amen? I remember Lisa and I, you know, I've shared this some years ago, but we were uh, eating at a restaurant and it was our anniversary and we were at a cheesecake factory at the marina, you know? I think that was, where was that? It was like, what's that, baby? Marina Del Rey. And uh, we were eating there and we were in the outside. There was no room. It was so packed. And uh, 
I was at a Calvary Chapel pastors conference and she came down because it was our anniversary on that the same day I was at that conference. It's like four or five hundred pastors there. And uh, there was a gal there and she was our waitress and she was like in her mid twenties. And some and when you're being used by God and you're crying, Lord, speak to my heart and use us, and you're crying out to him, he uses you. His eyes go to and fro, it says, throughout the earth, looking for those he can strengthen. He wants to use us to his glory, amen. And I sensed the Holy Spirit powerful in my heart. And I just, the gal just serving us. She has served us. But, and I very rarely do this. I'm not one of those guys, if you know me, the Lord said this to me. The Lord said that to me. I don't do that. You have to be very, very careful. Because when you ever, when you do that and you get it wrong, you lose your opportunity to do that again. Otherwise, you're going to be a false prophet. You got to repent of getting it wrong and not do that again. Okay. But I sensed very strong in my heart. I've only done this a number of times, you know. But I said to her, I just met her. She just served our food. Lisa and I were sitting there. And it was so strong in my heart. And I just said to her, without her sharing anything about herself, I said, you're running from God, aren't you? And she started bawling right there and bolted from us. And she's our waitress. I'm like, hey, get back here. You got to serve us. (laughs) No, I didn't ruin the moment, okay? I could care less about the food. In fact, she got, our, she got my order wrong, and then and, and she brought the wrong food. But I said, hey, I'm cool with that. She goes, oh, that's very nice of you. I'm like, yeah. I, I go, plus, you, you have to pay for it? She's like, yeah. I go, I'm not going to get you food. This is great. I go, but you're running from God, aren't you? There's a little more to that story. She starts bawling, and she bolts. And then she comes back. And I probably wasn't wise to bring it up a second time, but I knew you were running from God. Boom, she balls, start, and it's packed. It's like barely room to, between tables. She bolts again. I'm like, okay. Then she comes back. And I say, quit running from God. No, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> but I said, I said to her, I go, I, d- I just said, hey, how much he loves you. You know? And our fellowship was just starting. And her name's Becky, and she started coming to our fellowship. It was a long drive for her. She said, yeah, I came. I've been backslidden, and I, I'm holding a big old giant snake, a bow constrict, I think it was, on Venice Beach. You know, hang out with the wrong kind of people and all that stuff, you know. And she came back to Jesus, you know. But the power of Jesus and his, his ability to forgive, he died for each and every one of us, amen. So we go after those who have never known Christ, but we also want to reach when we're, our campaign, we want to reach those who have known Christ or who have fallen, like the prodigal sons, prodigal daughters out there. There's a lot of them, amen. That, you know, you know how many people stop going to fellowship, uh, during COVID, aren't fellowship anymore. A ton of people, professing believers, fell away because the pastors just took a hiatus and didn't teach anymore. Oh, it's a long, I get, oh, I get a two-year vacation. Wrong. They should have been teaching the whole time through, amen, communicating with their flock still. I'm not condemning the pastors that did that, but don't let the snake bite, bite us twice, amen. Now, it's important that we understand that we have to keep preaching the gospel, even when the authorities say no. Remember when they, when they flogged Peter? They flogged the apostles? Go read Acts 4 and 5. And they said, don't you dare go back and preach, man. And they, they whipped them raw on their backs, man. And what did they say? Better obey God than man. Amen? Okay? So we have to preach the gospel. You have to. Paul said, well, Joe, I mean, is it that? Come on. That's how people get saved. And Paul said, woe unto me. That means judgment. 1 Corinthians 9. Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. He says, I beat my body down, so after I preach others, I myself would not become a docamas, which means accursed, which means reprobate, which means rejected. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. 
Serious, serious stuff. So we have to preach the gospel. It's the only way people could be saved is through, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's amazing because we have this, this, this powerful, beautiful gospel, yet we just neglect it. Don't neglect it. Don't start telling, sending people to some kind of so-called Christian 12-step program. We got the one-step program. We got Jesus, amen? And he transforms our lives. So we have the power of the gospel. Next, that's number four. The power of the Holy Spirit was number one. Power of prayer, number two. Power of our, uh, the love of Christ, number three. The power of the gospel, number four. Okay? Number five, the power of your testimony. The power of your testimony. I'm not going to spend a long time on this because I just did a message about two or three, probably about three Wednesdays ago on the importance of giving our testimony. So I'm just going to hit it really quick. But go to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And it's talking about a war with Satan that we are in. There is a spiritual war that you are in with really demonic, malignant, you know, nefarious forces. By the way, there's a movie out there called Nefarious. Anybody see that? It's a crazy movie, okay? I don't endorse the theology of Glenn Beck, who's a New Age Mormon, okay? Yeah, he is. I have a whole article on him. He's not even a good Mormon. He's a New Age Mormon. You just go, go to my article on Good Fight Ministries. So I don't, I don't endorse the, the demon being afraid of a Catholic priest until he finds out that he's not a serious Catholic priest. I don't endorse that. If you take all that out, though, a crazy good movie, okay? Uh, if you haven't seen it. Anybody see that? It's powerful, okay? It's really, really powerful. It just shows how real these forces are that we're at war with, you know? I mean, I brought Big Jim. <laughs> There's Big Jim. <laughs> I like to surprise Big Jim. And uh, I go, Jim, I want you to check this movie out with me because somebody had just, had just come out. Somebody said, you need to check it out. And I, I brought Big Jim because uh, we were at one of my grandchildren's uh, baseball games, and we went, and, and Jim had no idea it was put out by Christians. So partway through, he's looking, because what comes out is a lot of truth. And Jim's like looking at me like. <laughs> and I'm thinking about the people in the theater that are clueless that this is a promoting Christ movie over the powers of darkness. And I'm thinking, wow, how many people are seeing this? And I met when we were at a Christian broadcaster convention, uh, religious, was it, was it, what, is it, what is it now called? It's, uh, we were in, what was it, Florida recently, and the cinematographer came to our booth, and he'd been really impacted by our ministry. He said, Good Fight Ministries, when he was a young believer. And he was sharing me all the crazy things that happened uh, that were demonic attacks, including the biggest windstorm ever recorded in that area, to pull that thing off. Uh, and I don't have time to get into it all because I want to get into my other points, but there is a spiritual war that we're in, and we have the power of our gospel. The gospel, we also have the power of our testimony. They overcame him, it says in verse 11, by the what? The first thing on the list is the blood of the Lamb, amen? Yeah. That's your victory is first and foremost through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We just talked about that. Jesus dying for your sins, paying for your sins, whereby he sets us free from Satan's power. Amen? He sets, came to set the captives free. We talked about that last week. Came to set, proclaim liberty to the captives. Amen? And it's amazing because in our te- it says, by the blood lamb, and by the, what's the next thing on the list? And by the word of their what? Testimony. Testimony. And then number three, and they did not love their lives even to the point of death. That means they maintained their testimony and refused to let it go. 
They didn't tap out. Say, okay, I give up. Man, I deny Christ. Let me take the mark of the beast and just let me have freedom. Nah. They said, my freedom is in Jesus. Amen. And that's the ultimate freedom that counts. Amen. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not lie of their lives even to the point of death, meaning they maintain their testimony about the blood of Jesus and what he did for them, even to the point of death. Amen? So you must remain, you, you, you must, your testimony is really, really, really powerful. When you share your testimony with a non-believer, uh, it, it, it's so powerful. I, I, I talked in that message I gave, you can check it out, it was a few Wednesdays ago, about the Samaritan woman. Remember? She got saved. Jesus gave her living water at the well. And she went and told everybody that, hey, he told me everything I've ever done, right? And it says many believed because of the words she shared with them. You might say, well, i got to wait for a believer until I'm a believer. Or i got to go through seminary before I can share with people. i got to do this, that, or the other. Man, she got saved and she started sharing her testimony right away, man. And all kinds of people were getting saved. Start sharing your testimony, man. Share what Jesus did for you. Everybody here has a powerful testimony. Everybody. Well, mine's pretty simple. I grew up in a Christian home and I just turned to Jesus and that's not like that person's or this person's or that person's. Give me a break. Yours is just as powerful in this way. You once were blind, but now you see. You once were dead and on your way to hell, but now you're saved. Your name is written in heaven. That's the most powerful parts of your testimony. Amen? So the most powerful parts of anybody's testimony are your testimony if you know Jesus. Amen? And that gets people's attention because they're lost and they're blind. And they need to be found. They need to see. They need to come back from the dead and come to life. And you can say, hey, praise God. And to me, man, some of those powerful testimonies are people that were brought up in Christian homes and came to Christ. Because sometimes it's in those homes where it's hardest to come to Christ. Because people think they inherit their faith and they're just good with God. And they don't actually exercise saving faith. So it's a powerful testimony. If you love Jesus and you were brought up in a Christian home, that's a beautiful, powerful thing. I wish that was my testimony, honestly. I got a pretty crazy testimony, but I'd love, to, I'd love not to have the pains in my heart of what I did to Jesus. Stepping on a crucifix and crushing a crucifix when I was a little kid because I was so angry at God and didn't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, can you imagine when I thought, God, will you accept me when I first got saved? And I thought, read the words, Jesus says, all men are sins shall be forgiven the sons of man and blasphemies with whoever they shall commit or blaspheme. Mark chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. And even he that speaks against the son of man will be forgiven. I was like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. But I wish I didn't have a lot of things in my past before I came to Christ. So the, but your testimony is so, so powerful. Remember the demoniac at the tombs? Remember Legion? He's possessed by legions, which is about as many as almost, could be as many as 6,000 demons. Jesus said, identify himself to himself. And he says, we are legion for we are many. And we don't know how many demons. Well, we can't take the word of a demon. That's right. But the scripture goes on to say when Jesus cast out the spirit, he cast out demons, plural it says. So there was definitely a lot of demons there. And they were, and guess what? The guy was cutting himself, man. He was like a death meddler, you know. He's all cutting himself and into death and at the tombs, you know. And he's just, the demons, that's what demons are about, man. Death and evil and destruction and self-mutilation and self-harm. If you're having thoughts, young people, about harming yourself, cutting yourself, doing those things, that's inspired by demons. If you're having suicidal thoughts, think of where that comes from, man. Think of King Saul, right? Suicidal, possessed by a demon. Think of Judas, suicidal. Satan entered him, right? Think of the pigs. When Jesus cast these demons out of legion into the pigs, what happened? They ran off a cliff and drowned. were drowned. Amen? Okay? 
Even the boy that Jesus was going to cast the demon out of, his father was bringing him to Jesus. And what was the spirit doing? It was casting him in the fire, trying to destroy him before he got delivered. But guess what? Don't allow Satan to destroy you. Don't entertain suicidal thoughts, man. Zion Williamson, very popular uh, basketball player, huge, big, you know, he's smaller than most guys, but he's thicker than, he looks like a football player on the court, man. And he just posted some uh, rap lyrics about suicide, and people are concerned because he's been getting repeatedly injured and so forth, you know. And that was just in the news yesterday, I saw in the news. And I don't know what's come of that, if he's suicidal, he's just... uh, putting, you know, rap lyrics up there, but he posted some lyrics and people thought, well, maybe he's super depressed and suicidal. But we show in our Set Free campaign, many of these people that are at the top have been suicidal. They're miserable. A lot of these people who I show, we prove that they've opened themselves up so many by their own testimony to the demonic spirit world. John Lennon wrote before he was shot to death by a beetle worshiper who was listening to Lucy the Sky of the Diamonds and got naked and prayed to Satan for the power to execute John Lennon. Right before that, John Lennon, uh, his wife Yoko said she went and paid thousands of dollars to a witch that was into Lucifer to you know, get a contract with John Lennon. Get a, she went to South America, and John Lennon was miserable. He wrote to a leading Christian minister about how I want out of this hell. He, talked, he quoted his lyrics, you know, money can't buy you love. He goes, that's true. I want out of these drugs. I want out of this hell. He was in a personal hell. James Hamlin, the pastor of Elvis when he was young, he wrote to Elvis, uh, Elvis said to him, at the pinnacle of success, he said, I'm the most miserable man you ever met. I'm doing all the things you told me not to do and not doing what you told me to do, Pastor. Miserable. He died miserable. He was reading a book called Psychic Energy, a hardcore book on sex magic and the power of the occult and persuasion over people. He had forces at work, but he was miserable. These are the top guys, John, Mark, Michael Jackson. We're talking about the, the biggest, the, the leader of the biggest band ever, the Beatles, the, the king of rock and roll, uh, the king of pop, Michael Jackson, said, I'm one of the loneliest people in the world. He married Elvis's daughter, and he said, I've studied Elvis because I don't want to become like him. Well, he died of too many drugs, prescription drugs the same way. He said, I, was, I'm, I'm, I think I'm the loneliest person in the world. Guys, guys, we have testimonies that are far different, Amen. We don't have everything they have, but we have everything in Jesus. Amen. We're joint heirs with Christ. We have the eternal hope. We know where we're going, and we have the joy of the Lord, which you can't take away. Paul said, I learned how to be content, whether I have much or whether I have little, because he said, I could do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Amen. So our testimony isn't just how we got saved. Our testimony is how the Lord Jesus Christ sustains us in our lives. Amen. And that's important to keep in mind. So we always think about when we give our testimony to people, we talk about how we got saved. But our testimony is far more than getting saved. Our testimony is what Jesus continues to do, amen? How he continues to be our best friend. How he continues to be the lover of our soul. How he continues to hold us close. How he continues to assure us through his word. How he continues to uh, vouchsafe within us the deposit of the Holy Spirit. Continue to show us that we have the Holy Spirit and that, that we have him forever, amen? Yes. Share that with people. Who Jesus, what's Jesus doing in your life today, amen? And also share what he did in saving you. Pray that God would lead you. And I love it because the demoniac who gets delivered, he's in his right mind, it says. He's like, Jesus, I want to follow you now with your disciples. And Jesus said to him, he says, first, what you do, you need to testify about what God has done to you in delivering you with your family. You need to stay here in town. 
and share the, share the good news with the people all around you. So he said, hey, so I love that, man, because sometimes we think, oh, we got to go to a far-off mission field to be used by Jesus. Man, shine for Jesus where you're at and say, Lord, here I am, send me. And then when he sends you, go. But he's already sent you, so you should be a witness right now. And I love it because in the New Testament, when it says, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses, right? John 1, 7 and 8. You'll be my witnesses. Okay? But if you look at it, he also says, you are my witnesses. Amen? And he says, you'll be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem. That's right, where they were. In Samaria. Samaria, amen. And the uttermost parts of the earth. Everywhere. But I've tried to share with you before that over half the population, most historians will say, most over half the citizens in Rome were slaves. And that indicates to me they couldn't, most of them could not go on mission trips. So guess where their mission was? Right there where they were working, man. And there were all kinds of different slaves. It's so different than the transatlantic slave uh, that we're familiar with in American slavery. There were, slave, there were horrific conditions. Some say, oh yeah, it wasn't as bad. No, some kinds it was really horrific, like the mines. If you worked in the mines, man, you didn't have a long life. But there were, most slaves were household slaves, and they had masters. And a lot, of these, a lot of people became slaves and said, hey, I want to become your slave. I want to become your servant, because they wanted to serve somebody. And you could act, believe it or not, it could actually be a good deal if you were impoverished or something, and you become someone's a slave at times. But guess what? They couldn't just leave. So their masters were getting saved, Amen. Paul couldn't leave. He was in the Philippian or Roman jail. Remember that? But he says the gospel is spreading throughout the Praetorium Guard. Even in Caesar's palace, it's spreading the gospel because God's using my chains and what was meant for evil. Paul testifies God was using for good. Amen? So guess what? God wants to use your testimony wherever you're planted. Well, you don't understand, Job. My life is so tough because I'm married to a non-believer that doesn't know Jesus. So I really can't go on the mission field. My spouse won't let me just go out. You're on the mission field. 1 Corinthians 7 says, Who knows, O wife, that you may win your husband? Or, O husband, you may win your wife. And that's in 1 Corinthians 7. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says something. I'm sorry, Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 3, he says, If your husband is disobedient to the word, you can win him without a word. Amen? You have a mission field right before you. Okay, yeah, my spouse is a believer, but I wish they were stronger. Well, encourage your spouse in Jesus. Amen? Love your spouse. Love your kids if you have children. Love your neighbors all around you. Amen? A lot of us have, and they were, and the world was being turned upside down a lot by a lot of folks that were slaves. And a lot of those who weren't slaves that could go on the mission field like Peter. Amen? Like Paul, right? Like James. Like John. Oh, but you know what? I feel like I'm in a prison where I'm at. Well, John was set to Patmos. Amen? And he got the book of Revelation there. You could be... This is the worst place I could be, God. How did this happen? I don't think John said that, but he could have. Lord, I don't know, understand, I'll get it. <laughs> Jesus appears to him. What, what thou hast seen under the church of Ephesus, and the Smyrna, and the Pergamos, Thyatira, and dun, boom. John writes, big, big revelation. It's impacted a lot of people. We know that. We studied it for years, amen? A lot of you are strong believers because we spent so much time in God's word through Revelation, which became a prism for the entire Bible. That's one reason I, it's the word of God, man. The t- power of your testimony is so, so powerful. If a demoniac at the tombs could share his, the gospel with people, if the Samaritan woman, well, Joe, but I don't know if anybody will listen to me. Think the Samaritan woman thought that? Probably. 
Because why, why do you go at noontime to get water from a well? That's like one of the worst times to go get water from a well. Jesus did because he had an appointment with her, and they were traveling. And it says she was there. there, was, there doesn't, we don't read about any other women there. That's not the time to go because she was a woman of ill repute. She'd been married five times. Either she left them, they left her, or she had some really powerful poison or something. I don't know. She's married five times, and Jesus says, the woman and the man you're with now isn't even your husband. She's a woman of ill repute. But she shared, he's told me what I've done. They're like, we know what you've done. Some of them know a little bit of it, right? But, and she came to him. You just say, hey, he, brought, he healed me. He saved me, forgave my sins. He changed my life. He's made me a new person in Christ. Amen? You share your testimony. So the power of your testimony is, is so, so powerful. I shared that story with you last week where I was with Ariella and we're eating in, in Galilee. And we're eating sushi together. Did I share that? Yeah, and that was really cool. So we, I shared testimony. I shared, I think, Chad's testimony. I love to share people's testimonies. I love to share uh, my own testimony at times. Sometimes I don't share that because it's a long testimony. I'll share a short version of it with people when I'm on the streets or when I'm witnessing. But uh, uh, I church Ariella was there in Galilee, so I shared Chad's testimony. And, I, and I, Ariella was listening. It was pretty cool. And I think that's awesome because when your kids or your grandkids see you witness, it impacts them. And I didn't know she was listening. She's just, you know, hanging out with Galilee. And she's like, Chad, or she goes, Daddy, when Chad got home, because they were out of town for a little bit, and then we, were, we were taking care of them. She goes, Pop-Up shared your testimony. I'm like, praise God, girl, you're listening, you know. And who knows who's listening to what you're sharing, how it will affect people. By the way, if you go back a couple Wednesdays back, two or three Wednesdays back, you'll hear a short message on a testimony, probably just 35 minutes long or so. And then I have Tony. Where are you at, Tony? There you are, brother. He shares a beautiful testimony. You know, I just read the comments to that recently, and people were blessed. And uh, some people right here in the fellowship were telling me that was such a powerful, beautiful testimony. Check, his te- check it out, you know. You can even skip my message because you're hearing a fraction of that. I've shared a lot of different things than I shared in that message. But go right to his testimony if you want. It's awesome. Amen. And the power of his testimony, man. You know what happened? His brother, can I mention that? Uh, his brother, New Mexico? Oklahoma? New Mexico? San Antonio, Texas. Oh, there's a church right there. Another blessed hope right there. Praise God. Has he been there yet? He's connecting, okay, awesome, making a connection between the uh, Belverde, which, in, praise Lord, Belverde, he may have a new person coming to you guys real soon, but uh, uh, his brother was in gay relationship. Were they officially married? Not officially married, but not officially in God's eyes, can't happen, right? But uh, in, in that kind of relationship, and uh, lost, he heard his testimony from Blessed Hope, and it affected him so radically because he knew what Tony went through to a degree. He saw the joy and the love that Tony now has in Christ. And he contacted Tony. And he says, I need to get out of this relationship I'm in. I need to come to Jesus. Am I getting that right, Tony? <laughs> Fix it, bro, because I want truth. I don't know if they had a relationship at the time, but empty like everyone else. Okay. Okay, saw him as, I'm going to over-talk you a little bit only so I don't lose everybody because I can't hear you. But he saw him at his, his uh, darkest, and that's what was shared with me, that he was in a, that kind of relationship. But that was maybe in the past? Yeah, in the past. Okay, so that's been his lifestyle. And now he says he wants out of that. He wants Jesus. Is that right? 
That's it. Okay. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. The Lord is good, man. So he hears his brother's testimony. Boom. How many people could hear your testimony all of a sudden? You don't think, and you, Tony might have been like, you're pretty like excited that that happened. You don't know how they're going to react. Amen. So let's share our testimonies more. Amen. Okay, next. Share, uh, guys, this is very, very important. It's important to share our faith with people, man. It's important to trust the Lord through hard times. It's important to go through trials together, trusting Jesus and letting people see your faith in Christ. Because when people see people go through hard times, they're expecting the world to freak out, to get all ticked off, to get all bitter, to cuss up a storm. Can't believe this is happening. Da, da, da. But if you have a Christian in trials, right, and in tribulations, Jesus says in the world you will have tribulations, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we're able to have good cheer in our trials. In fact, we're commanded in James 1, my brethren, you know, he says, to consider all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Why? Because we, he goes on to say, know that the test in our faith produces endurance. And let endurance produce its perfect work that you may be perfect, okay? Complete, lacking nothing. Wow. So we go, we go through trials, we're like, you know what? This is perfecting me. God is like Job said, making me like gold. We don't look to our trial. We look through our trial. We can rejoice in our trial because it's like when you're going through a really hard workout or run or whatever you're doing, you can now realize, okay, there's going to be good at the end of this. It hurts now, but I'm not going to curse what I'm doing because I know it's going to be a good end. And I know that he loves me, and I know that he works all things together for the good uh, for those who love him or are called according to his purpose, and this is a very painful trial. But I can rejoice. That doesn't mean I don't have tears. I don't have pain. But I can rejoice deep down within, within that, with a still confidence that it's going to turn out in the end right because God takes that which Satan means for evil, and he works it for the good. Amen? Amen. So they can see our faith in Jesus. And when they see our faith in Christ, they take notice. They take notice that you're different. Amen? So let your light shine, Jesus said. We're the salt of the earth, he said. We're the light of the world, he said. Amen? Now Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. Amen? But then he turned to his disciples. He also said to them, you are the light of the world. That's because we reflect him. Amen? And we're the salt of the earth. You know what salt does? It preserves. It stings because we have the power of the Holy Spirit and we we shine our faith. It's going to sting people like, ah! Part of them is not going to like it. Stings open wounds. You ever get salt in an open wound? It's also tasty, man. How many love salt? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for salt. Salt's really good for you. It has like Himalayan, I think it has like 60-some minerals. I think the Celtic salt has even, Celtic salt has like 82 minerals and nutrients and all that stuff. But it's amazing. It's so good for you. But it preserves. In fact, if there were nobody coming to God, no Christians in this world, remember Sodom and Gomorrah? God got Lot and his family out of there before he wiped it out. It's because of people that trust the Lord that he hasn't destroyed this nation right now. That you're, you're a preserving factor. Amen. In fact, the word, the Romans, you know how the Romans got paid? Roman soldiers? What their salary was? Salt. In fact, the word salary comes from the word salt. Comes from that word. Because they got, someone's not worth their salt. Isn't that interesting? Because salt was so valuable because they didn't have refrigeration, amen? Well, God looks at you as a preservative, man. You're preserved in this nation. A really popular evangelist said many, many years ago, if, it, if uh, 
God doesn't judge San Francisco, he would have to apologize to San, um, if he doesn't judge San Francisco, he'd have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? That's kind of, that was years ago. God never has to apologize for anything, though. Amen? That means Frisco. That means these places that don't have Jesus, they need to get right. They need to turn to him. But guess what? You have, you have, uh, you have faith in Christ, man. Let your faith shine. Amen? For Jesus. It's so important. Uh, number seven. Number seven. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Philippians chapter 2. And it's interesting because this passage in Philippians chapter 2, it's where Paul says just before verses 9 and following, he says, he says, let this mind or this attitude or mindset be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, although he was in the very form of God. He didn't consider equality with God something to be held onto. But he humbled himself and made himself in the form of a servant and became in the likeness of a man. And he suffered death. And it goes on to say, even death on the cross, the worst kind of death. And then look at what verse 9 says. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is what? It's above every name. Satan hates that name. Hates the name of Jesus. That's why here in the West, his name is a cuss word. That's not an accident, guys. That wasn't decided by a group of men in the shadows called the Illuminati. We're going to make the name of Jesus Christ a cuss word. No, that was, that's happening from the demonic spirit world. Okay? It's a word that comes to people's mind when they're angry. It becomes a, his name became a cuss word. Instead of S-H-I-T or, or other words, his name is used as a cuss word. That's not by accident. The one who loves us, the one who made us, who, the lover of our souls, who gave himself for the world, his name's a cuss word. Well, they crucified him. And it's just amazing to me when you think about his name. You all know, in, in Islamic countries, they really revere God. No, they don't. They don't even have the one true God. They worship Allah who has no son. And Allah, they don't even affirm Jesus Christ as Messiah. Oh yeah, no, throughout the Quran. I have the Quran. You'll see Jesus Messiah a lot, but Messiah is just like his last name in the Quran. They don't believe he's anointed king. Mashiach is the Hebrew word for Messiah. Christ is Christos in the Greek, and that's the, that's the Greek of Mashiach. means anointed. And when you see Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last word name. It's not a cuss word, and it's not his last name. Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus, Jesus Christos, or Jesus Christ. Jesus Christos is Greek. But guess what? When you have Jesus Christ, you're taught Jesus is the Messiah. In the Quran, he's denied as even the Messiah. The Christ. Who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Antichrist. Who denies the Father and the Son? 1 John 2.18, Antichrist. And Jesus' authority in his name, which is above every name, is diminished below even Muhammad, a lying false prophet. You can't speak like that. I just did. And I'm going to speak the truth, man, because that was inspired by demonic entities, the Quran. In fact, Muhammad himself, man, was thinking of, of he was, he'd be thrown down to the ground, he'd cover him up, frothing at the mouth, getting possessed by a jinn, he, they said. I mean, this, is, this is Islamic scholars, Islamic historian, who are re real reputable in their circles as fundamentalist Muslims admit that, yeah, over and over again, he thought he was possessed by a jinn. He even went, he was talking to his would-be, you know, his soon-to-be wife, that he's possessed by a jinn. 
Oh no, it's Gabriel, the archangel. He's speaking to you. He went to a Catholic monk because he felt he was possessed by a spirit. This is Islamic history. He went over and over again to the mountains to throw himself off a cliff because he felt he was possessed. He starts getting all these revelations that became the Quran. And the spirit would say, don't, that same entity, don't, don't jump. And then he said, oh, it was Gabriel that was giving me these new revelations. Although Gabriel supposedly tells him, the messenger, don't doubt. Doubting is for losers. And then guess what he ends up teaching? That Jesus Christ is not the Son of God in the Quran. That, Je- that there's no Trinity, don't say three. That Jesus is only a servant. Yes, and it's Isa. His name is now Isa in the Quran. He's just a servant. That's blasphemy, folks. There's a diminishment of the name of Jesus everywhere. Do you understand why? Because it's the name above every name, and Satan hates that name. Because that name stops Satan in his tracks. Verse 9, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. To the glory of God the Father. At least twice in the Quran it says Jesus is not Lord. And on the Dome of the Rock, which is on the Temple Mount, you know what it says? Allah is God, and he has no son. That's the declaration of Antichrist. Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another one comes in his own name, not in the name of Jesus, not in the name of the Father, because Allah is not the Father, of, has no son. It says, that, says ten times, ten times in the Quran. I looked at every one of them on my so-called vacation, okay, <laughs> as I was going through the Quran. And, uh, but I had a great vacation. We had a great time. We really, really did. Lisa, we had a beautiful time, didn't we? We had a great time. Because we loved to witness. We loved to sh- We enjoyed the beauty for a few days. But you know what? Ten different times I circled every one of them in the Quran. It says, God has no son. There is no son. There's denies the sonship of Christ. And Jesus says, I come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another one comes in his own name, him you will receive. That's coming through the Antichrist. So on the Temple Mount, where the Antichrist is going to sit in the rebuilt temple, it says, Allah is God false God. And he has no son. That's the doctrine of Antichrist. He that denies the father and son is Antichrist, 1 John 2.18. It's all a big setup. And I could show you in the Hadith, the commentaries, Muslim commentaries from, you know, the, the, the uh, Shiites, not the Sunnis, but the Shiites, where they're waiting for this white horse rider. Revelation 6, that's the Antichrist. Revelation, Revelation chapter 19, that's Jesus, but that's at the end of the tribulation. He's going to make a seven-year deal, they say. And he's going to destroy the people of the cross. And the trees will cry out and say, there's a Jew behind me, come and kill him. That's recited, by the way, in mosques all over the world right now. Perhaps even here in Simi. It's all a reality. And they even identify their coming, their coming uh, imam, the Mahdi, the Mahdi, as, the, as they, one of his titles is Beast, the Beast. It's like they're reading the book of Revelation, but inverting it and turning it inside out. Really interesting when you see what's going on. You guys need to be up with what the Word of God says. It gives us the future. But guess what? Satan hates the name of Jesus. That makes me want to shout his name even more from the rooftops. Amen? In fact, Jesus said in John 16, 23 and 24, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Amen? 
Jesus, man. You got 6,000 spirits or so in that entity, in that person named Legion, calling themselves Legion, and they're terrified. Don't send us to the place of judgment before our time. The Bible says in James chapter 2, faith without works is dead. It says even the demons fear or tremble. Jesus freaks them out, man, because he created them. He's not the spirit brother of Lucifer, as Mormonism teaches. He created Lucifer. Amen? Acts chapter 4, verse 29 30. And now, Lord, the apostles are praying, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Remember, they said, if you go witness, man, you're going to, they whipped him and all that. They're threatening them and all those things. He says, they pray, help us to be bold. In verse 30, it says, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In John chapter 10, verse 17, it says the 72 re, uh, returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Amen? Jesus says, don't rejoice that you have power over the demons. Rejoice. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In Acts 16, 18, this demon-possessed woman who was saying that Jesus was just a way, not the way, but just a way of righteousness, right? And they were serving the most high God, which one of the Greeks would have understood to be Zeus, totally causing confusion. In Acts 16, 18, Paul turns around and this she did for many days it says but Paul greatly annoyed turned and said to the spirit I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and he came out of her that very hour the power of the name of Jesus man I shared with you some time ago so I won't go into the long story about it but and Lisa told me after I was there don't you remember I was there I was there when it happened and I'm like I forgot you were there praise God when this demon possessed lady uh, one of our worship leaders, he was our worship leader at the time, a guy named Greg Lewis, and, and his brother, uh, sorry, Greg Davis, and his brother, uh, Steve Davis, uh, who was one of our elders at that time as well, both of them were elders at the time, they knocked my door, they said, Joe, man, you need to help us because our sister's demon-possessed, she's all into the occult, all these new age books and all that stuff, and, and she's totally possessed and totally saying all these weird things and just out of her mind, you know? I told the story, I went down there with him, and I was like prayed up, I was a young pastor, man, Church, pastor church for just about a year, but I knew the power of Jesus. I knew the name of Jesus. And I went in there, and I was prayed up, and I wasn't putting confidence in myself. I was a little nervous. I was like, Jesus, you know, sounds like she's out of her mind, and she's totally, they're convinced. It's not just, she's not just mentally ill, man. She's got a demon in her. And then I went to her house with them. We opened the door, and they wanted me to go into a room. I said, I'm not going to go into a room. She needs to come out to me. And they said, that's where her library of occult books is, and she's in her room. And I just stood there by the door. They can bring her out to me. I'll deal with it. I'm not going to go into her room personally. She came out of her room without them, bolted straight at me, and Lisa was there. And she's, her hands were going like, and I'm like, Lisa, do something. You know? No, I love my wife. And her name, her name carries a lot of weight too. But I said, I said, <clears throat> no, I didn't do that. I didn't have time. I said, in the name of Jesus. You know, and as soon as I said the name of Jesus, man, bam, she fell. She goes, Joe, did you didn't say, she just fell flat. I said, yeah. I said, it's like she hit something, man. She goes, no, but she just went down on her face right when you said Jesus. I go, yeah. That's what I was trying to say. I guess I communicated wrong. But bam, she hit the ground hard. Then we prayed for her, brought her to the couch until she was in her right mind and left. That's the power of the name of Jesus. 
I've seen that more than once, folks. I know his name. I know when I was possessed, I believe I was possessed, if not incredibly oppressed before I became a Christian, I cried out to the Lord. And by the way, I didn't know the name of Jesus as being that as powerful as it was because I wasn't a Christian and I wasn't sure what I was going through, whether it was just my subconscious or what it was, but I thought, no, they've revealed themselves. Now I know it's more than my subconscious. So I cried out to God with just the weakest prayer ever, you know? God, only if this is good, only goodness, and it stopped. And I was like, but guess what? That God, that God gave me grace in that moment. But it wasn't salvation at that point. I still need to come to Jesus. And then a little bit later after that, the same thing happened to me. I was in a state of paralysis. I cried out more directly to Jesus. It stopped again, man. And then once I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I never, got, I never went, heard that humming sound again. You know, And I had power and victory over, that, over those dark powers. But it's very, very real. You have to make sure you're not just using the name of Jesus as some kind of talisman, some kind of charm, some kind of trinket, some kind of third eye to ward off evil. Third eyes don't ward off evil. They invite evil. Okay, That's a symbol of opening yourself up to occult power. In fact, in Acts 19... You read that in Ephesus, there were seven sons of Sceva, okay? A, a Sceva was a, a rabbinical, you know, priest. And s- seven sons he had, and they were exorcists. And they went to a demon-possessed man's house. And they realized there was, name, there was power in the name of Jesus. They weren't Christians, but they saw the Apostle Paul use the name of Jesus and saw demons coming out of people. So seven sons of Sceva, they said, they said in the name of the one that Paul preaches... Come out. Guess what the seven sons of, Guess what this man said was possessed by at least one demon or more. Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? Isn't that crazy? Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? In other words, you're not connected to them. They weren't walking. Their t- they weren't even talking. They weren't even following Christ. They were just using his name. And it, we read in Acts 19.16, you know what happened? 19.16. Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them overpower them and attack them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. You got seven, son, seven men running from one man who'd been beaten and naked and battered by a demon-possessed man. And we know from testimonies from people that have worked in emergency room, my mom's given such testimonies, people that are on PCP called angel dust, should be called fallen angel dust, okay? You'll have one girl throwing six, seven guys around like nothing, Walt, have you ever seen anything like that or heard about that? Crazy stuff, huh? Walt's been SWAT and everything. He's seen some crazy things. So, you guys, the Bible says in James 4, Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can't just use the name of Jesus as, as, Oh, I'm not going to follow Jesus, but I'll just use his name if I get in trouble. No, man, you need to submit to him. Amen? And draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. And then the devil will flee from you. You have to have a relationship with the Lord God. That is so important. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, years and years ago, I read a book by a guy named Gary Bates. Called, very good book. If you're looking for a book on a biblical worldview on aliens, called Alien Intrusion. Works with the Institute of Creation Research. I'm not sure. I think he still does. Really good book, man. Alien Intrusion. In fact, uh, we interviewed him uh, some time back. On, a, on our, one of our uh, Good Fight radio shows. You can just type in Good Fight radio and go to Gary Bates. Huge, really great book. But he goes through, which is very interesting, uh, Joe Jordan. Joe Jordan worked for a MUFON. MUFON is Mutual UFO Network. And they're very respected in the UFO community of just analyzing things. 
scientifically, supposedly, right? But one thing so many, and I, I'm not going to uh, read all these quotes from these other guys, but it's interesting, the top guys that deal with studying UFOs, non-Christians, will admit over and over again, these things look just like what the Bible says, the Bible talks about with regard to demons. The way they operate, it's not like they're this, it's not like nuts and bolts. They defy the laws of physics. It's like spiritual. And they're very secretive. And they do horrible things to people. And they leave stenches behind and they haunt people. And this looks like we're dealing with demons. They say that over and over again. The, the, the leading experts on ufology will, will say that over and over again. Well, guess what? It's not like there's a Martian from Mars, like, hey, let's colonize this planet. We're dealing with fallen angels. It's a demonic world. And I think it's interesting because Joe Jordan, who was a member of MUFON, okay, and by the way, he was a, uh, one of their investigators, okay, and he was a state section director, okay, one of the leaders in the movement of MUFON. And Joe Jordan, he had some very interesting experiences because they would deal with close encounters of the fourth kind, okay, was actually experiencing abduction-type stuff, supposedly. And there are what called incubuses and succubuses, male and female, so-called sex demons, that all kinds of horrific experiences. Demons, I don't think, have genders, but they can take on genders. They transform themselves into angel of light, the Bible even says. It's just kind of interesting because Joe Jordan, he called himself a crystal ball rolling new ager. He was a total occultist, new ager. But he started to realize when he would look at people, like he was studying the case of a brand new Christian named Bill D. Okay, he's called him Bill D. And during this encounter, Bill D. When he started getting attacked by these alien type entities, he cried out, "Jesus, help me!" And the encounter immediately stopped. Okay, and it's interesting because uh, when Joe Jordan looked at this case, he's like, "This is interesting." He started talking to other investigators, and he got together with other MUFON investigators. He said, have you guys ever had this encounter? Because a lot of times these people that have experiences have reoccurring experiences. A lot of times they develop psychic powers. Well, these so-called psychic powers, like this woman that Paul cast this demon out of, who was saying that Jesus is a way, she had so-called psychic powers. But when she lost her demon, she lost her psychic powers. Because it comes from demonic powers. Are you following? Well, all of a sudden, he gets together with these other investigators and says, I want to talk about this because have you ever had this, somebody crowd the name of Jesus? And he said they would only meet him with him if it was kind of like a secret meeting, okay? Uh, because it was an off-the-record, quote-unquote, off-the-record meeting because they said we don't want this to be talked about because people that are crying out the name of Jesus, people that are singing hymns, people that are praying are getting deliverance from these aliens and they don't bug them again typically. But we don't want to talk about this because it's religious. We're scientific. So we, we, we can't go there. And he realized. Then, all of a sudden, guess what? He started dealing with another group, CE4s, which is another, actually, he was already dealing with them as well. And they began to look at this. And now he's had over 400 cases of people that have found deliverance through the name of Christ of these, what they thought were aliens. In fact, I have, I wish I had time to play it. I'll play it another time. But I have a leading from the Pentagon testimony of a guy saying, I was heading up this project, and I got an encounter with this other gentleman who's one of the leaders in this whole thing investigating for the United States. And he says, what are these things? They have technology beyond what we can understand. And the other gentleman says, have you read your Bible lately? He said, they're the demons of the Bible. Okay. 
I wish I played that clip, but I wasn't planning on getting this deep into this uh, at this point. But the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, man, is so powerful. You use that when you witness to people. Because when you go witnessing, guess what's going to happen sometimes? Just like it happened in the book of Acts, you're going to encounter people that are possessed by demons. You're going to find resistance at times from demonic entities. You whip out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, amen. You whip out the name of Jesus Christ, which is the name above every name, amen. And by the way, Acts 4.12, there's only one name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of who? The name of Jesus Christ, amen. Praise God we have his word. The world's all mystified about what's going on. We know what's going on, man. We've got our marching orders. We need to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations. And guess what? Romans 10.13, if you missed anything, don't miss this point. Romans 10.13, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Be saved. There's the name of Jesus, man. His, his name is a strong tower. You want to be saved? You're on your way to hell right now if you don't know Jesus Christ. I'm just being honest with you. I love you, so i got to shoot straight. You're on your way to hell. You're like on a grease pole, man, straight to hell. Your life is, if you're rejecting Christ, you're lost. You're separated from God. You're condemned because you've broken God's moral law. You need to recognize that you're under condemnation. The only way you can be saved is if you embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Can we pass out the cup and the bread, brothers? be awesome. You need to embrace Jesus Christ now as your Lord and Savior because he's the one that died for your sins. Amen? He's the only one that paid for all your sins. So you can say, no, I don't want Jesus. Well, then you will pay for your sins in hell forever and ever. But if you embrace Jesus and accept the one who paid for your sins already on the cross, you'll be forgiven. Amen? You'll pass from death to life. And that's good news. You won't come into condemnation because the first thing I mentioned was the power of the gospel, which is the power of salvation to everyone, that means save. salvation means deliverance for everyone who believes. That's you. If you put your faith in Christ, you'll be saved from hell. He died to save you. Don't reject the Savior. I remember I was reading years and years and years ago a story about the, a seagull that had its, its beak caught in like a six-pack. You know the wrappers for the six-packs, little plastic wrappers? It was just cinched up, and he couldn't get out of it. And he flew everywhere, and they were trying to catch this, the authorities, animal control or whatever, to set him free. But he kept eluding them thinking, I'm, they can't catch me. And he died, starved to death. Guess what? Don't try to elude Jesus, man. Because guess what? You'll be in the end of your life. Good, I didn't have to come to Jesus. Then you will not be set free. Jesus says he's the light of the world. We talked about that. But he said men love darkness more than light. They hate the light. They refuse to come to light lest their deeds would be exposed. John chapter 3. But man, the light, it's Jesus that sets you free because right before that, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life. And he went on to say he didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him may be what? Saved. Don't try to outsmart, outclever, outrun Jesus. You'll never do it. You'll just separate yourself from God or continue to be separated forever and ever. Turn and do a 180. It's called repentance, metanoia. Turn from the darkness that you're pursuing to the light of Christ, and you'll be set free. And then you'll realize why you were created. You'll come to know your creator. You'll be forgiven of your sins. You'll have eternal life. You'll be in his kingdom forever and ever. You can't beat that, amen? amen? And this is it, man. Every knee, the Bible says, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody here is going to be bowing down before Jesus. And it says on earth or in heaven and under the earth. It's not if you're going to bow or not question is where you're going to bow. I'm going to bow in his presence, man. I'm going to confess him as my Lord in his presence and be with him forever. Same with so many people here. Amen? Amen. So let's continue to lift up his name. If you're not confessing him, do it now. Because so if, if you confess him now, 
You could do it forever and ever in his presence. If you refuse to confess him now, you'll do it next to Hitler, Stalin, Mao, Marx, Crowley, all those guys, man. No, I'd rather do it in the presence of the saints and those who love Jesus in paradise forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Choose Christ. Choose life. Amen. Let's stand.